Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Today, we're going to talk about the divine practice of angel numbers. No, we're not. Okay, I'll change that. We're really going to talk about, today we're going to talk about having a private spiritual practice and um, how we can do that with all of the triggers that we have. We have grown up with, with religion and belief systems that are ours or were ours or were our families or were our societies, but were all around us. And many of us have walked away from those religions really, um, but not gotten, not been able to replace them in many ways. So left us without um, and with so many triggers that it's hard for us to set up to come back to a spiritual practice. So today we're going to talk about those triggers and how to set up a personal spiritual practice. And I am going to be uh, speaking with Lisa Robertson, who has uh, written a book. She's written a bunch of books, but um, the book we're going to bring into the show is The Divine Practice of Angel Numbers and Raising Our Vibration with the Archangels. And the reason, reason I'm bringing up the triggers is because when I read her book, I was triggered all the way through it as a recovering Catholic. <laughs> I was triggered all the way through it. Um, Lisa is an international best-selling author with eight publications uh, selling across the globe in multiple languages. Uh, she speaks to audiences across the planet, both large and intimate, live and virtual. Um, she believes the next frontier is not the space outside of us, but the space within us. And people speak about their limits, and I'm talking about my triggers, as if it is a force field around their creativity. Lisa believes we need to start exploring where those limits are and make it our life's work to see if we can even we are even capable of hitting them. So Lisa is my my perfect person to come in to talk about the triggers that has us stuck. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. It's going to be fun. It is. And as a recovering Catholic, are you, are you still a practicing Catholic? No, I am not a practicing. Well, let me put it this way. I, I am rediscovering Catholicism through a very personalized lens uh, mm -hmm. as a goddess practice. So not as we know traditional Catholicism. Right, right. Because they threw, I mean, they kept, they were the only religion that kept the goddess, you know, in and Virgin Mary. Everybody else threw her out. <laughs> I know. But um, so I'm in a situation, I'm going to get real personal about this and in this interview. Um, yeah, it is all about me now. <laughs> um, in the fact that I have not been able to replace my early um, Catholic uh, religion, which gave me a good spiritual base, but didn't work for me. You know, I, I couldn't accept a lot of the tenets of the religion, but I have been unable to replace it with anything um, that gives me that peace and that connectedness that, um, a lot of Catholics got from that religion. Uh, when I read your book uh, um, about the angel numbers, and we'll get to the book and we'll go through the numbers and all that, just to let my audience know, I was totally and have been triggered by angels. And, you know, just the word angels, again, coming from the Catholic background. And, um, so I want to talk first, and, and Lisa in her book talks about setting up 
uh, your own personal practice. So I want to talk about that first. Um, and you say that there are, well, you say four main concepts, but I found five in your book, <laughs> you know, alter prayer, healing, automatic writing, and chakras, five. <laughs> so um, let's start with those. Alter was a huge trigger to me. Yeah. So, and as I said, I think this conversation is going to be fun. I also think it's important. Um, I think there are a lot of what they define themselves as recovering Catholics or traumatized Catholics desperately trying to find a place of place for faith in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely one of them. Um, I wasn't traumatized. I should say I wasn't traumatized by the Catholic Church, but I knew it was bullshit from a really young age. Mm -hmm. um, and I was the same. I wasn't traumatized either. Right. But it, it I couldn't believe it. You know, it just, yeah. So, so his, I, his... I have to say, I could not replace it with people speaking on a stage. <laughs> I have to have ceremony. <laughs> and Catholics do ceremony better than anybody else. Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I have always been is I've always been someone who asks lots of questions. So in Catholic, in Catholic school, that got me into a lot of trouble. And I did spend more time sitting in a corridor than I did sitting in a classroom. So I've always been incredibly inquisitive. Question asking for me is how we gain clarity. And every time I was presented with a teaching, there were a million questions. Obviously, I only ever got to ask one before I was booted out of the class. And that's okay. That's okay. Because that upset, the, like that actually like set my trajectory for my career today. You can't write books without asking lots and lots of questions. Books essentially are nothing more than answers to questions or solutions to intellectual problems. So I went all the way through Catholic school, just asking lots and lots of questions. And, and, and maybe I was fortunate in a way where like, at least, at least I can say that I had one nun that was like in that entire time willing to sit with those questions and walk me through them, walk me through mm -hmm. some of them. And we did have at one point, this incredible priest who, instead of talking about the Bible, used to tell children, like used to tell stories. He was this incredible storyteller. And he would take these parables of the, uh, of the Bible and he would, he would make them so uh, amazing and creative and imaginative. Um, we, I found out later as an adult, he was a raging alcoholic. So maybe that's how oh. we tapped into his creativity and made those incredible stories. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. But he was, <laughs> he was only in our parish for like six months. But I remember thinking to myself, wow, if this is what church was like all the time, like I would be here yeah. every day. This guy could tell an incredible story. Mm -hmm. And like most Catholics, I think like as we get older, we become very jaded in the teachings. We become very alerted to the fact, especially for those of us who identify as women, um, we realize that this doctrine is actually set up against us, not for us. Um, and, you know, my mother, my mother married a divorced man and that led to all sorts of like crazy, crazy crap with inside the Catholic church. And, and I should preface this by saying, no, you win her out. <laughs> right. So, and I should preface this by saying like, I, I actually grew up in a tiny and I mean, tiny bush town in central Victoria in Australia. So like you couldn't pick your nose in this community without somebody knowing Right. Um, that you did it and whether you were well or whether you should be hospitalized. Um, yeah. So those kind of, those were the conditions which kind of led to my introduction to Catholicism and my early exploration of Catholicism. And then after that, I obviously, I didn't stay there. <laughs> I went off to university and I ended up getting a bachelor's degree in education and uh, postgraduate degrees in fine art history. And it was through my fine art history work that I became um, introduced to every possible religion on the planet. Mm -hmm. And theology to me was busted open. And I was like, wow. And that's when I knew like religion was such crap, but there was something really miraculous about faith. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was, it was in my early twenties where I really 
started to get into that journey of religions, religions really filled with lots of problems, but there's something about faith. Faith is really magic. Faith is special, but mm -hmm. faith is personal. It's not an institution. Yeah. And you can talk directly to what you believe or what you think or what's out there without needing somebody in, in between, which is really what the Catholics say. Ah, you got to come to us. We'll talk to God on your side. <laughs> oh, well, but, all religions do it, right? All religions say that there must be a, a, an, an intermediary, the, that there is someone more connected than you are. So therefore we pay, we pay respect and homage to them and hope that they favor us and pass those messages on. Um, in fact, I don't think I've come across a like proper religion that doesn't have that in there somewhere. Like it's a, it's a hierarchy. It's a list of, you know, if I, yeah, if I deem you worthy, then I will pass the message on. And if, if that person deems you worthy, they'll pass the message on. And we're like, I'm like, yeah, well, at this point, like the whole message has been lost in translation. So what is the point of you people anyway? Mm -hmm. And I've noticed, and, and I used to say, uh, and I still do when it comes up, that uh, Catholics don't pray. They negotiate. Right. good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, and, and here's where that's really interesting, because we look at culturally where Catholics primarily come from. So we're looking at we're looking at Italians, uh, Sicilians. Um, we're looking at the Irish. We're, we're looking at a lot of Latin America. These cultures, these cultures by nature. Passion. You know, yeah. we're negotiators. We're going to get our way one way or another, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But it is, you know, it, it, yeah, we don't pray, we negotiate, but we're separated. Yeah. We, and this is the part, I think, that the Catholic Church lost so many of us, along with crazy ideas. But we're separated from our source. There are many layers between us and that source. So now how do we come back to um, reconnecting in with all and what happened to me with your book with all these triggers in the middle? One of the things, altars, you know, set up an altar. Well, I just triggered all over the place on altar. <laughs> and I had, and I've been around a lot of people who have altars and all of that, and I've never gone there. But in reading your book, I was there and realized the amount of baggage I held mm. was something called an altar. So tell me about um, what you have, what you talk about as an altar and why we should have it and, and how we right. can make it. Yeah, I think I think, though, and I like to use the traditional language because I liked uh, as we talked about before this, I actually like to explore those triggers. Like I actually like to look at those blocks. I, I don't want to skip past them. I've got enough baggage yeah. for you down in here. <laughs> yeah, well, I should say like, you know, and if it, for people who are really kind of interested, more interested in my personal story with the angels, I do write about it at the beginning about how I just outright rejected them. Like just get that, get, go away. Um, but my work with altars has been really interesting. And I think it's really been my personal saving grace. Like it's a really private devotional practice to me. And it's the way we teach it for business. Um, so the, like I have a bit of a split personality. I spend a lot of my time, uh, half of my time researching and writing books. And then the other half of my time I work with, I work in business. I work with spiritual entrepreneurs. I work with people making multiple six figures and seven figures. And we use altar work for our business people. And the reason we make create altars for our business people and we bring them back to a devotional practice is because an altar is nothing more than a space you go back to, to hold energy for that which you are working to either heal, release, or create. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for our business people, and, and we do link the angels and the angel numbers for them. So, and the chakra work. So we can say, um, okay, so your copy, the copy that we're reading, I can see you've got some real second chakra work here. Let's explore it. This is an angel I want you to work with. So I want you to find a space in your home that you're going to walk past every day. 
just walk mm -hmm. past every day. It could be anywhere because an altar can just be like one item. Um, it doesn't have to be an elaborate thing. And I want you to just like write that number on a sticky note, stick it in that spot and either put a candle, light the candle or a crystal or whatever it is that like you get really excited about because for everyone it's different. For some people, mm -hmm. it could be feathers. For some people, it could be a, a, an actual angel figurine. It could be could be anything. For me, nine times out of 10, it's um, usually a tarot or an oracle card or a plant. Like I'm really basic. <laughs> I'm not a complicated person. So we get them to set this up and we get it to be relevant to what they're doing. So let's just say we've got that communication problem. So I would ask them, write that number down and then something that's going to help you like be get into this devotional practice for speaking, for speaking, asking people for something. Let's just say they've got an issue with asking for money or putting their offer out there and asking for the sale. So it could be like, well, what does that sale represent? Um, put something there that represents that. And just walking past it every day is putting that energy. That altar is merely like just setting that energy, setting that vibrational current that just starts to work its way through the vibrational body. And it's really subtle and we don't have to do like too much about it. You just set the space. We've got the intention for the space and it's done. And then if we want to get a little complicated I, and I say to them, well, then, you know, in the, you've got to light the, put a candle there. So we'll, again, let's look at communication. You know, I want you to put a blue candle there. And I just want you to light that candle and stand in that space. Just close your eyes and breathe for two minutes. That's it. Blow the candle out. You're done. That's your altar work. Now, if we were bringing the angels into this, then I would say like, as you're doing that breath work, you know, you can spend some time with that angel, either bring that us invite that angel into your aura just to just to sit there just to sit with you nothing has to happen you don't have to have any pressure just say i invite let's just say it's uh, archangel uriel because he's the archangel for 555 and change so we're changing this programming this fear we're releasing this we're healing this so i'm just going to call archangel uriel in just to just to be here with me as i do my personal breath work as I've lit mm -hmm. this candle, I'm holding intentional space. This is sacred devotional practice. This is faith. This is not religion. And then when you're done, just say thank you, blow out the candle and get on with your day. So this is, you're creating a space that will, um, not only do I have a place to go where I can be um, spiritual or grounded or just in that other place, but it also, let's say, if I have it there, also catches me and brings me into it. Exactly. So it's both. It's um, and having that spiritual to say, wait a minute, let's let's remember who we really are, even though we're in the middle of a business deal. It's like, wait a minute, let's back up here and bring in the the spiritual the spiritual into this. But um, you mentioned the numbers, and um, but you didn't really say in there where we got the numbers, but We've jumped into this in a little way backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not and, a linear person, so that's okay. <laughs> right, right. No, we're good. So, um, because it's so in, all of it's so interesting, and needing that, uh, knowing that uh, we can all have a, as you said, even a plant that will uh, trigger us to say, "Hey, okay, stop for a moment. Come back to yourself. Come back to the to the energy of." this but how how did you get into the angels because that is kind of a fascinating story um yeah. so and, and it, you did think that your, your mental stability had fractured yeah I did I like I honestly thought I was having a psychotic break and 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 to me that actually made logical sense it actually made logical sense that that might have been it that I might have like gone over the edge um but that wasn't the case at all. It actually might have been more fun if I had have gone bananas. But um, <laughs> no, so I, um, the long story short, and as I said, it's in the book, I walked into my kitchen one day and there were 12 people in my kitchen. And the first thought that ran through my mind was, how the hell did these people get into my apartment, right? And 
then I noticed there was something not quite right about it. And they were all making sandwiches like lunch. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, did work people just break into my house for a lunch break? What is going on? Like, you know, did maintenance come in and I didn't know? Like, <laughs> but then I noticed there was something a little bit off about them and they were kind of glowing a little bit. And I was like, okay, what the hell? Um, and, and I had just really started to get more heavily into meditation at that time, not as a spiritual practice. And I should actually be really clear about this. I, I like to be transparent, but because I suffer, I personally suffer from acute stress. Um, so it is one of those things where I was learning new coping mechanisms and I was very much on a very intensive healing journey at that point. Um, I, I have suffered a lot of trauma. So it was one of those things where I was like, that's why I was like, it was logical for me to think, yep, I'm done. I've gone too far. This is the next logical point in my healing. So I actually removed myself from the kitchen and I walked back into the bedroom and I just took a few deep breaths and I went, it's all right. If you're going nuts, you're surrounded by people who love you. It'll be okay. So then I walked, <laughs> I'll get the help I need. It's all right. So I walked back into the kitchen and, um, the figure that identified themselves as Archangel Uriel goes, you're not going crazy. We are really here and we need to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And because I had already convinced myself that I was probably losing my mind, I was like, sure, let's see yeah. where this batshit stuff goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you have to. I mean, what other logical <laughs> explanation do you have of you know, people making sandwiches in your kitchen? <laughs> but so like after I'd had that initial experience, it was, it, it, I still wasn't really interested. Like I heard him out and I was like, no, I'm not interested in you or anything you have to say. And I'm not interested in being a vessel. You've got it all terribly, terribly wrong and you need to leave. Mm -hmm. They didn't. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so before that, had you um, set up like altars and, and started down that healing journey or did they teach this to you? So the altar work is separate from my angel work. I combine them in this book because I have I found... That was triggered. <laughs> <laughs> the altar work is separate. So the, the angels were kind of like my gateway into opening myself up um, mm -hmm. I come from an academic background, so like this stuff just, and because I study fine art history, like I'm used to looking at everything, as I said, from a very academic lens, like why would they paint this? What is this? What period in history was this representing? What social, social message was the artist creating for the culture at the time? Like, so I always come into things looking at, I know there's a purpose and an agenda towards something and I would like to know what it is and be, you know, that just that observer and see it in the spectrum of the historical context. Um, so considering these concepts outside of just being an observer, but being an engager and a practitioner was really, really new to me. Mm. And uh, so the angels were kind of like the first step in that. And I think to be perfectly honest, and the reason it was angels is because I was Catholic, because it's like, okay. you know who we are. And I was like, yeah, that's why I don't want you go away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If, I do know who you are and I don't want you here. <laughs> if I had have had a different religious belief, like as a child or a different indoctrination into faith, I truly believe it would have been something different. Um, but because that was, because I never questioned the faith element of Catholicism, it made it easy. Apparently, apparently, according to them, it made it easier for me, for them to be my gateway into my personal journey. Mm -hmm. um, because the resistance wasn't there. there. The subconscious was primed to be able to, as you said, negotiate my way mm -hmm. around the situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Catholic, you, you, you can leave Catholic, but it won't leave you. So the altar work came much, much later. Um, and it came when I was exploring a personal trigger for myself. Uh, and yeah. that is 
gendered spiritual energy. Like I get really agitated when people start talking about divine feminine and divine masculine. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to get back into exploring the goddess without having to do it from a gendered perspective. And as we can see the world moving into more gender fluidity, this is going to become more and more important as we go along. Because again, just like religion puts barriers and you'll, and you'll notice in the book, I have actually given the angels themselves have no real gender. Like they are gender fluid. They yeah, will, you talked about it. Yeah. The number. Yeah. yeah. So like, to me, this is a big thing because to me, this is another going to be another trigger to devotional practice and that is this this need to gender stuff and again the reason it triggers me so much is because I do come from that academic background and everyone wants to tell smart women that they're masculine and I'm like but I'm not like Mm -hmm. why can't there be different why do why do I have to be masculine because I'm a analytical logical reasoning person like that, right. that never made sense to me. So like that to me is my personal trigger. So the altar work and my work in reconnecting with goddess work, and I have a book coming out next year, which is more along the lines of this. That's where the altar work came from, from me, because it helped me establish a really sacred, intimate space for myself that wasn't connected to any limits that anything outside wanted to put on me, be it gender, be it religion, be it having to say whether I am a a priestess or a witch or whatever it is. It was just me. It was just me and who I am and what and the faith that I wanted to reconnect with. So that's where the altar work came from. And as I said, as we've worked with this with entrepreneurs and business owners, we have just seen how powerful that altar element can be when we bring in such a simple ritual devotional uh, practice like the altar work and add it to these other elements. So that's one of the reasons it ended up in this book, because I wanted to give people uh, more entryways into being open to the dialogue with that which we call angelic energy. What I really like about it, um, which I didn't get from the book, I just got from you, is that it can be anything. And really what it does is bring you back to your spiritual self. Yes. You know, as as we go through the day, I feel like we kind of get further and further away as we do business, as we, you know, go outside of ourselves and into the world to to make everything work, you know, try and get everything to work. Um, to see that plant that you have made your altar or whatever it is you've used to bring you back immediately to being in your body, to being grounded and to being present in the spiritual you know as a a, you know you you uh, you know I've got to go out and get that plan (laughs) (laughs) because that's a great thing but I have to go back to the gender neutral thing because in your book it's very hard for us not to assign a female or male energy and in your book you do assign male or female energies though even though the angels don't have any gender um you'll say well this has i i think it was uriel and i'm not sure has a male energy yeah well i talk about i talk about how they present to me um and i do say in the book that if they do present differently for you then that's fine um presenting to you or showing up for you right right so and you know as an author you can only ever write from your personal perspective as an illustrative point Um, which is why we do have some, I have assigned specific genders, but not assigned as like, I'm saying they're male and you've just got to roll with it. Um, Just so, because that's how I work with the energy. So I can only bring forth information to which I'm, I'm personally experiencing it as long as I'm being transparent and saying, but this is how I'm personally experiencing it. You may experience it completely different. Uh, So that's the, that's the only thing. Like it is one of the, it, it is one of these, And I had this, we had this discussion in the editorial part of the Priestess book too, which is the book that's coming out next year, because it was really important to me that we came to this work, allowing gender fluid people or non-binary people opportunities 
to connect with the practice. Um, so it is one of these things of we still want to give people an opportunity to connect with the angels the way they present to themselves while I can still impart information on how they're showing up for me just as a guide of how the work or how the practice or how the conversation or how the engagement may play out. We've been talking about um, the angels coming into her life and we've talked a little bit about setting up an altar or that spiritual base, which is great. Uh, but now we're going to talk about the angel numbers and prayer and what else the angels have have brought to her and taught her. So um, let's start with the numbers, because that really is kind of the base of a lot of the other things that we'll be talking about. So how do you come by the angels and the numbers and all of that? So... When I sat down to when I sat down to write this book, I was really torn a little bit because I know that uh, Dorian Virtue and Carl Gray they already have their angel number books out there, and honestly, I have no idea how they came up with their angel numbers. Like I, I honestly don't. Um, but I have always used numerology as my basis for the connection with numbers. I was introduced to numerology by a very interesting Scottish man at the at a Buffalo New York metaphysics fair in uh, 2008 I think it was like and he just looked at, he, I was just walking past and he goes Lassie you don't sleep and I was like what the hell I'm under attack um, but anyway that led to a very interesting conversation and that was uh, that was how I got into numerology so again for me the angels have always been using what I know in order to promote like further learning. Um, so we use numerology as our base for the angel numbers. And as I said, I was a little concerned about it because I was like, people are going to ask me, so where did you pluck these numbers from? And I'm like, well, I right. kind of And that's why I wanted didn't. you to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Where the numbers come from. <laughs> I used, I use numerology and we went from there like again catholic angels we negotiated a process that could work for everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly we are good negotiators at the end that is one good thing um so you know and i used from your book how to get to my angel number my birth angel number and i used my uh birth date and it turned out to be a six at which point then I then I know who my angel is and what my birth angel is about. Mm -hmm. And I can use that. When would I use that birth number? It's kind of similar. So I'm going to say this to the people who do know numerology and then I'll back up a little bit for the people who don't. So your birth, okay. your birth angel is very similar to your, um, your life path number. So in numerology, we have a life path number and we use that life path number as a way of like tracking what we're going to do with our lives or where the life is going or what we kind of came in here to do. That's what numerology is about. We kind of look at these numbers in respects to cycles in our life, the, the journey, why we're here, all that kind of stuff. So your birth angel is kind of the same thing. They're here for you to work through whatever that is that they're representing, what in this particular incarnation, this physical incarnation, and that's it. So I guess like if you're having a moment where you're questioning, why am I here? What is my path? What is my purpose? Or we're feeling that point of disconnection, then we can go back to that life path number and that birth angel and like, you know, ground ourselves back into, oh yeah, that's right. So let me see where I am in this particular journey and I'll factor in the next step. For those of you who don't know new numerology, there is this system in numerology where we take the, uh, the, our date of birth and we create what is called a life path number. So in numerology, then the, the, the day that we are born is very important. It, 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 is a, it is the compass point, if you will, our North Star of where this particular incarnation, this physical experience is, is guiding us to like a, like a magnetic pull. Like we don't even have to think about it. We're just going that way. So that's kind of what the birth angel is. Mm -hmm. And to get to it. So in, in my case, I took the, um, the month, the day and the year. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I 
It, well, in my case, I added up the year as well. I did a number of different ways. And um, my number showed up. I had a repeating six. So you're looking for repeating numbers. We're right? looking for repeating numbers, yeah. We're looking for the dominant number because that is a vibrational frequency. And in numerology, we go way, way deeper with that. And obviously, like, you only have so many words in a book, so we couldn't go that deep with putting the right. angels over the top of that. But the, there's enough information in this book, like, if you really wanted to go into that deep numerological chart and look at your different phases of life, your stages of life, your personality number, your soul number, your all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, you could definitely... credit card number. <laughs> your credit card numbers. Um, your, yeah. <laughs> in America, your social security number numbers, uh, the, the number on your wedding license, whatever it is, um, like you could go through and you could see like what angel or what angelic frequency is playing some sort of protective role or supportive role or guidance role around that. Yeah. Who was who there for that part of your life for that? Yeah. Um, and then through the book, you always refer to if you want to know more about this and you give everybody excuse me, a place to go that they can de deep dive into some of this if they choose to, which is great. <clears throat> so um, I want to go into the prayer too. So, so we, let me back up a little bit. In your book, you put out the different angels, the different numbers. Mm -hmm. And um, and then in with each angel, they have... Um, a co corresponding uh, prayer or uh, an energy or and and automatic writing and we'll go into that so with each chapter with each angel you give uh something that your reader can work on to connect better with that angel um <clears throat> excuse me so um you know, I don't want to, well, I have to ask this question. Somebody asked me and I couldn't answer it. What's the difference between an angel and an archangel? Just our memory of the hierarchy, to be honest. Um, so I think, I think we get caught up on that a little bit and, and that's religion, right? Um, religion says there is a hierarchy of angels and some angels are better than others. So therefore the, you know, the, they gave them this structure we tend to use the names of them like the reason i used archangels here is because it is known content right mm -hmm. so knowledge comes from pushing the known so we start with the known which is the archangel arc and we put that before the angel and then we push that knowledge a little bit by saying but they're really not that special right mm -hmm. <laughs> in other words <laughs> They're not that special, but uh, we want to get you to that point where the understanding of that which we call angelic frequency does not have a hierarchy. It is a it is just a specific band of frequency energy that we can access, and you can call it whatever you want. You can call it Bob for all I care, and for all they care, they don't care. Um, so there isn't really. It's a human thing. It's a human thing, yeah. Like everything religion does, religion has a hierarchical structure that wants you to feel like you need multiple steps between you and your divine spiritual self, right? So. No, it doesn't matter. You can't have power. We have the power and we'll decide if you can. Well, we will like you enough to help you. Here. Exactly. Exactly. Now, why did you pick the angels in this book? You identified 13 angels. Mm -hmm. Why those 13? There must, as they say, legions of angels. <laughs> well, Again, you know, a little, a little religious trigger. Right. Well, I, I actually didn't want to take personal responsibility for the selection in this book, to be perfectly honest. So when I, I, the, the angels have been asking me to write this book for 10 years. Mm -hmm. The angels and I have a complicated relationship. I don't know if you guys are catching on to this yet. <laughs> um, so they've, they wanted me to write this book ten for like years 10 years. Long time. <laughs> 10 years. They wanted me to write this book for 10 years. And so I didn't want to take personal ownership of assigning angels. I really didn't. I like because someone somewhere is going to go. That angel's not for that. You have no right to put that angel there. Right. 
So it was more of, okay, so you want me to write this book, you're going to have to organize who's going to be in the book, where they're going to mm -hmm. be in the book and why. Right. So we negotiated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we negotiated and, and it was really yeah. that simple. It, it wasn't, it, there was no mathematical formula about it. It was who do, you, who do you as this vibrational frequency think is the best representation for this particular lesson? And mm -hmm. I don't need to know the whys or the hows. You're just going to bring that information through when we do the chapters, which they did. You know, they did that just fine. They, the angels know their job perfectly well. Um, so that's that's really what happened. I'm going to lay one on you. What is an angel? What is an angel? An <laughs> angel, my understanding with my work, and again, I can only speak from my perspective. Everyone's Everyone's experience is going to be different. But from my perspective, that which we call an angel is merely a frequency band. So we know that the universe is made up of frequency bands, these, these uh, sound currents that run through the, through the entire galaxy. Like the entire galaxy is made up of frequency. We know this, mm -hmm. this is not news, this is, this is just science. Um, the angels are one of those bands. Mm -hmm. So it's a frequency, a vibration. It is a frequency. And humans, we have our own frequency band. So throughout the galactical source, like there is a set of frequencies, there's this frequency band that like if you tapped into it, that would be what we call humanity. Um, mm -hmm. And we're just off beaten away through the galaxy. So we are accessing into their frequency band or they're allowing us or they're bringing it to us really um, to come into their frequency band. And then in our tiny little minds here and world that we have to have, we create names and individual, although it's just really vibration. It's, it's vibrational. So it, it's, yeah. it's, I always like to go back to, cause I think Esther Hicks really describes this really well when she was first talking about who or what Abraham was. And for those of you who don't know who um, Esther Hicks is, she channels an energy called Abraham. She's been doing it for what, 30 years now? Um, yeah. A long time. You know, she talks about how we're, we have an antenna and we can tune into any frequency we want um, and, and have a discussion or have an exchange or have an experience or have a, learn a lesson or find a solution. So I like to think of it that way. The, the angelic frequency is up there. And if we choose to tune into it, we can. If we choose not to, well, I haven't, I think they've stuck my dial on on and like I can't switch it off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like one of those things, right? Like, you know, presets on your radio in your car, which drive me bananas because I can't get rid of them. Like no matter how hard you try, like there's freaking, like you press that button and that, that radio station is going to come up. Even if it's like, yeah. you're like, I don't even know what this radio station is. Why does it keep playing? Um, yeah. Our antenna kind of has some of these presets in it too. And I, and I, I do think that like when we've opened up to a specific, channel when we've opened up to a specific frequency we kind of reset the presets so mm -hmm. having worked with that frequency for so long that's now one of my presets so like I can my subconscious mind will just push that button and I'm like oh god you guys again like seriously okay come on what do you got to say and you know we'll get on with the exchange and move on so that's kind of like how I describe it if you're asking me are there physical beings known as angels like like what we see on Lucifer, I'm probably going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. So when we change or um, lighten up our vibration or change our vibration, our, our antenna will then go into a different vibration. I don't even think we need to clean ours up to be honest. No, because um, lighten it up. mine definitely was dark and gloomy when the angels first appeared. Like I would not say I had a clean, clear frequency. I was not a clean, clear vessel at all. Um, I also think that's a misconception. And I think that is a block. I think that's a resistant point. People feel, and again, maybe this, this comes back to religious programming, right? might be yeah you've got to be you've, you've got to be a clean vessel you've got to be worthy of the exchange whereas yeah. that's not true like you don't get into your car and the radio goes i don't know how many good deeds have you done today before you can play your favorite <laughs> station 
<laughs> yeah, are you going to get music or news? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I really, because I guess, you know, I'm thinking, well, our, my vibration has to change to be able to match that vibration I want to bring in. But in your case, they came in. Right. Yeah, you were already one vibration and, and this they came in at different vibrations and you could have it. Yes. Which by the way, does you know, I want to make sure we get through everything. Um, the vibration of prayer or prayer. As I was saying earlier, as a Catholic, prayer is negotiation, and that's not really the prayer you talk about. <laughs> no, and I think this is like where you know, and I get for a lot of, and I get this a lot for, for radio hosts, for guest appearances, I'm difficult because <laughs> I'm not religious and I am not a witch and I am not part of the new age industry. So for me, <laughs> so for me, prayer, and, and I've actually taught workshops on this, prayer and spell work are the same as poetry. Mm -hmm. So to me, it is merely an expression of the internal self mm -hmm. having a conversation with that which we call divine okay. and we can write that any way we want and in the workshops that I've taught in the past I, I always say if you could write a love letter to yourself if you could put that expression of that petition in the most loving form mm -hmm. that would be your prayer and and is that an energy then you know even though we're writing words or whatever if we are know. if well one of the things i love about using poetry as a as an example like a, like if we say prayer poetry and spell work are the exact same thing mm -hmm. the thing about poetry is is that as you read it or as you write it it is already providing an emotive energy we're already getting the emotional rise out of the self. The self is connecting, transcending and clearing as the words go onto the page because we produce this content with a high emotional charge. And it doesn't matter what the emotional charge is, honestly. Like if we're doing healing and releasing work, maybe we want that anger. Maybe we want that sadness. Maybe we want that doubt. Maybe we we, you know, we want whatever that emotion is on that paper. We need it out of us in order to write the petition to do the healing work. Maybe that's what needs to come out. If it's, if it's something else, um, let's bring it, let's bring it back to our spiritual entrepreneurs. Maybe it is about that attraction. Maybe it, maybe it is about that attracting that perfect client or attracting the perfect offer or, or attracting the perfect deal. Then when we write this, this poem, this, this prayer, this spell, we're, we're filling it with that energy as if the deal is done and the excitement and the appreciation and the gratitude. So the, the very words that we select are doing the emotional charge. We don't even have to think about it. So we don't even really need to say, oh, I need to be in a specific vibrational frequency because the words are going to put you there. Like you're there the moment you speak them, the moment you write them, the moment that they, they swirl into the, uh, the electromagnetic field around your physical body. So that, I guess that's another reason why I like it. Cause I'm, I'm a bit of a lazy person. So the, <laughs> if, I'm, if I can have it stack devotion, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Alter, prayer work, two minutes, done. I'm good. I'm with my day. Yeah. Time's money, people. Time's money. But it but it can't, it, it, does it have to be written or spoken? No. Can it be a thought? No, well, but a thought is a spoke, a thought is a frequency. In fact, the, the yeah. things that we say inside our head have the most emotional charge and are the most powerful. Um, we tend to get our, we tend to get our clients to speak if we're like speak out loud, if we are doing true throat chakra reprogramming. So in other words, if we know there's been trauma in the throat, um, especially for, uh, people who uh, assign themselves as, as gendered females, but it's not always the case, but it's, it's more predominantly for those self-expressed gendered females. There's a lot of, um, programming that says you can't ask your worth or you can't ask for what you really want, 
or you can't express your personal desires and you know it's not okay to tell people your needs um mm -hmm. so in that respect we might we might highly suggest you get used to verbalizing because you, at some point you're actually going to have to have a conversation with another person but for mm -hmm. spiritual connection work or devotional practice i i am a big proponent for silence for keeping and holding the inner energy to me that makes it even more intimate and more personal because then we become a self-contained temple um, mm. and and that is when we get into the true essence of us as the sacred vessel you um you mentioned the healing in there and the chakras and um, there is a lot of healing work. We talked about the triggers. Well, for us, for me, <laughs> to get past those triggers is a healing work. Um, and again, I, I know probably the way I'd do it is I'd also look at what chakra is that in? Where is that energy that needs healing? <clears throat> but you do uh, work with... Um, healing angels as well to bring in healing angels mm -hmm. to, to help uh, release those blocks, which is a lot of what the trauma and the healing needs to be. Correct. So one of the reasons that we just talk about the chakras generally in this book is because then it would have like, we wouldn't have been able to fit all the content in the book. So, so I've actually already done a, a, a chakra book. Um, and like, so there, there is already a book on that if people want to go further in that. And I'm in the process of writing another one. So like the, the chakra, like as a writer, you have to like sit down and go, okay, so what is really the main content? So the main content was exploring these numbers and getting to know the angels. That was the most important part of this book for me was giving people multiple pathways to like get into the angels and then take one of them and run with it if like that's their one. So like for you, if you were like, okay, so I can get around some of this old programming through the healing work. So let me then go and get my chakra work and bring this to this particular angel and see how we can deepen our connection. Um, so that was really the point of putting it in there. But I, again, I can't write books without mentioning the chakras because the chakras is actually my area of speciality. So like, it's one of those things of like, it's gonna get a mention somewhere. Um, right. But yeah, it, it, and it's interesting because you're not the only person who's said to me, well, I would have liked a little bit more chakra stuff in there. I was like, yeah, but we couldn't fit it in because then it would be a totally different yeah. book. It would actually be, yeah. you know, a chakra book with angel healing so i don't know maybe 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 we'll look at that later in the later down the line I, I don't know yeah now the chakras for anybody listening that maybe don't know believe it or not uh chakras are energy centers in the body and there are seven main main chakras and as lisa said there's a lot of information out there about it but um you know when i brought it up i'm looking at where is that energy what chakra is it in without you know, and what angel am I going to use for the clean out? It's almost like, can they back you? <laughs> sure. But I also, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, get, I know. When you get into automatic writing before, because we, we're running out of time, believe it or not. Um, I want to get into the automatic writing part that you use for real connection to, to the angels and to your spiritual, your spiritual communication with the angels. What I love about automatic writing is everybody does it and they don't know it, right? So I love automatic writing. We all automatic write. We automatic write every single day of our lives and we don't know we're doing it. And I love this. And I love when we have our first lot of fresh business people who are brand new to some of these spiritual concepts and I tell them this and I walk them through an exercise and they're like, holy crap. Crap, I have been doing this my whole life. Well, tell me that where you've been doing it because I'm thinking, well, I don't do it, but you're saying I do do it. Yeah, every, so, everybody, everybody does know. it. Automatic writing is really like when you get into the flow of something, right? So there's this whole science behind flow states that we have now, but we've been using, we've been calling it different things in the in the spiritualist community for a long time. When we get into a bit of a flow state with our writing, and that's what the words we use. Wow, I got into a flow with that, or that email just flowed, 
or that blog post just flowed or when I sat down to do this, it just kind of flowed out of me. Well, it just flowed out of you because you were channeling it. You were automatically writing it. You were connecting to a frequency that wasn't your conscious mind and you had tapped in to that text and put it on the page. And like, that's one of the reasons I always put, I put it automatic writing in everything because you're doing it anyway. So it's, it's like you're going into the flow. You're going into that flow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the automatic writing, I've got to pay attention because I know I've been in the flow at times, but I didn't realize that was automatic writing. Exactly. Most people the, don't. <laughs> and you, in the different chapters, you have, um, you give like a base sentence to say, yeah. write about it. So you give them a starting point a of how to make it, yeah, how to make it work. And that is one great thing about this book is that with each angel and with each chapter, um, you you guide your, your student, because that's what they are with this book. You guide your student uh, through how to communicate, how to pray, how to connect, how to work with that particular angel, which is fabulous. Um, believe it or not, we're out of time, and I want to leave enough time for you to talk about, uh, you know, where they can get hold of you and get hold of your book and what you have coming up. Right. How can they get hold of me? So social media is probably the best, but having said that, by the time this airs, my website is probably going to be done. It's only taking me 15 yeah. years. Oh, I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only taking me 15 years. Um, but yes, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, but I would go to... Uh, uh, on Instagram, well, it's complicated. So that's why I'm going to give you my website. Just go okay. to lisarobertsonwrites.com um, and you will be able to find all the social media links on there. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are on Facebook, I am LR uh, Robertson. Uh, if you are on Instagram, I'm spells, potions, books, tarot. I know it's long. That's, mm -hmm. just, that's just the way it is. Um, yeah. I, that's probably the better way. But as I said, the site will be up at the should be up by the time this airs so that you've got a better chance of finding me there or if all else fails just go to Llewellyn and you can put in my name and all of my contact information is through the publisher okay that's perfect and um they can get your book on Amazon or where can they get your book as far as I know you can get my book anywhere books are sold like if it's not oh, in, okay. if it's not in stock, go and ask for it. Um, especially if you're going to a Barnes and Noble or a Waterstones in the UK, uh, just if it's not on the shelves, you do need to ask them to order okay. the book. So if you don't see it on the shelves, I don't want you to be discouraged. Be discouraged. Go, I can't get it here. I've got to go through somewhere else. Um, I also know it's available through Book Depository, uh, so you can go there as well. And of course, you can always get it on Llewellyn's website. Okay, great. Um, and what do you, you mentioned books that you're writing now. So what book do you have coming up in about a year? Yes, I always have at least <laughs> five or six projects on the, on the go. Uh, so my, uh, my next book is March 2022, I want to say, uh, and that is my Tarot Priestess book. So we kind of touched on some of the elements that will be in that book. Yeah. That really is about true devotional work, but using the, the tarot as a form of devotional practice to the goddess. Um, that was a very healing book for me to write on multiple ways. That's the next book. If you're interested in my decks, I have a deck dropping in September 2021, which is Cirque de Tarot. And then I have another deck dropping in March, which is the Soul Cats Tarot. So for those of you cat lovers out there, you're not going to miss want to miss that deck because the artwork is stunning. Great. And this will be all on the website that's about to come up. <laughs> that's about, but, but again, you can always just go to Llewellyn's website because the author page there is always up to date and you can get any information you want there. So if you just go to Llewellyn Worldwide's website, punch in my name it'll take you to my author page and everything you need to know how to get in contact with me all of my publications okay. it's right there yeah that's great and you work with anybody internationally zoom 
you can work with anybody. Quite yeah, I don't do private one-on-one -on -one consultations. So to work with me, you actually have to come into one of my programs. Um, and mm -hmm. I only work with entrepreneurs and writers. That's it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. And I loved your book. It's a great book. And I have to go get my altar started. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, we're good. Okay, so <laughs> that was a little jumbled, but I liked it. <laughs> I like I, I like conversations that don't feel premeditated, that kind of have a spiral feel to it. So I think it was good. Yeah, good. I'll listen to it later and I'll let you know we got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope hopefully it's okay because it just followed mostly my curiosity of what is an angel. You know, so that's good. Thanks so much for being here and being on this. And I'll send you the links and everything else and let you know when you're when it's going to air. And I'll keep Kat in there as well. Okay, fantastic. So as well. So thanks so much. I really appreciate your flexibility and rolling with me on a lot of this. No worries. <laughs> Any other time you want to have a conversation about triggers, just let me know. <laughs> Right, I I'm know. Your, I'm your gal. I'm your gal. Let's just let's just put it all out there. Like, oh my god! And I thought it was a lot less Catholic than apparently I am. <laughs> I know. I got work to do. <laughs> all right, Bob. I gotta go because I've got another interview in about okay. thirty minutes. So much, Lisa. It was great meeting and working with you. You too. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.